When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome into the Auburn Live Show. Some reaction to Auburn's win over Sanford 45-13 on homecoming. Auburn's 3-0 as SEC play gets going. We'll get into some of that uh, with me as always. I'm Justin Hokinson. With me as always is Cole Pinkston. Cole, you look like you're at the lake. Yeah, I'm, I uh, I have a, my in-laws live on the river, so oh, nice. they have better internet than me. So I come over here on Sundays when we're getting after it and putting up stories and use their internet. So, That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, it's a good backdrop. It's a good place to do some uh, some writing and, and thinking for sure. All right, let's get into this game. Before we do, quick shout-out to our sponsor, Session Cocktail. Downtown Auburn, go check them out on Magnolia Avenue. Uh, man, they were – I went over there on Friday for a little late happy hour drinks, and, um, and they were slammed Thursday night. Busy again Friday night, obviously homecoming. A lot of parents were in town, the parade. But man, it was it was hopping on uh, on 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 the weekend over at uh, over at session. But go check them out. Happy hour, four to six. Great drinks. Um, it's all booth seating and bar top seating. It's not a it's not a stand and typical college bar like that's a nice cocktail lounge. So go uh, go check it out. Um, and uh, and uh, and give them a shout. The good people, Avery and Joe over there, and Hunter if he's around. And, um, just good people, good drinks. Go visit them. Session cocktail right there next to Taco Mama on Magnolia in downtown Auburn. <clears throat> Justin, are, are they just raking in the money on game day? I feel like I, they. You know, I think they're doing well. They weren't. You know, they didn't open until like December last year, so this is their first fall. And, oh, yeah. uh and I think they're trying to kind of figure out. They sort of try to open middle of the day Saturday on game days, sort of figure out who, when people are going to come around. But I think those weekends, Thursday nights, I think in Auburn are for them are going to be great because I think a lot of people in Auburn come there, try to maybe go out Thursday night if they're going to go downtown because they know Friday night, Saturday night students, you know, are around at the bars and kind of gets crazy. So Thursday yeah, night, right. but yeah, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Um, I talked to the owner. He said this past Thursday night, just a few days ago, they did as much as they did on a Thursday night before in Tuscaloosa, before Alabama and Texas. There's a session in Tuscaloosa as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're learning learning uh, what works and what doesn't. But yeah, the weekends, those nights, those Thursday well, nights, Saturday, Saturday nights are rolling. I would be shocked if there was a better home turnout for a Power Five college football team for an FCS matchup yesterday. I mean, that was about as good as it gets. Auburn. Phenomenal. It was phenomenal. I, and I tweeted, if you take into account the additional field-level seating, which pushes the capacity to 88.043. So because of that corner seating, and then you factor in yesterday, um, or gets, uh, on Saturday, you factor in the few fans Stanford brought, you know, one little section, probably as few fans as you can bring. Everything else was sold. Everything else was sold out of Auburn fans, including the corners of the upper deck. You factor in the new field level seating, the very few fans Stanford brought, the packed student section, which looks like they're 
they're letting a few more in than they normally do. And the fact that I think every other seat was filled, including the corners of the upper deck. I mean, I think that there, I think there could have been more Auburn fans in that stadium than have ever been inside a stadium to watch an Auburn football game. It's possible. Very Not possible. just in Auburn. I mean, you're never going to have 80,000 fans travel, so we know anything neutral, anything on the road, there's never that many. I'm, I mean, it's because of those new because of those those new areas of seating that adds the hundreds, few extra students, and Sanford not bringing many. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was as many Auburn fans that you're probably going to see in that stadium at at one time. It was an unbelievable crowd. I was really impressed. I, I knew it was sold out, but you know, UMass was sold out too. But there was a couple of pockets, top corner of their deck, a little thin. wasn't like that against Sanford. Right. No. Really nice. Um. Good day, wasn't too hot. Um, homecoming obviously had a part of that. So yeah, awesome crowd for Auburn forty-five, Stanford thirteen. All right, uh, let's get into some reaction. You know, I think you know you and I sit. You know, for people that don't know, Cole and I sit um, together up in the press box and watch these games. Um, you know, I think we can start offensively because that's where a lot of the attention was, especially after the Cal debacle. Um, Offense, with offense, quarterback shuffling, all everything that goes into that. Um, clearly, Peyton Thorne played a lot better. I mean, that, that's that's abundantly obvious. He played well. Um, but I think you and I were talking, and uh, and look, we're not Philip Montgomery. We're we're not that good. But from what we saw, it sure looked like play calling, rhythm, uh, game plan, what they want to do, when they want to do it. Everything looked really, really good on Saturday, even stuff that didn't work. Um, but just even from rotating players in at times, and just there, there, to me it looked like a lot of good decisions being made in terms of the game plan and then the execution of it on Saturday. I mean, if not for a couple, if not for those turnovers, those two picks, Auburn probably hangs 60 on the board and, and goes over 600 yards of offense. Now, Sanford, obviously, FCS, they're no juggernaut. We know that, but. I don't, you know, I don't care. You play FCS, you put up 60 and 600 yards, which is what they should have done, if not for a few mistakes. What was your take on what you thought of the offense, the rhythm, what you saw, a lot more RPO? I thought it, I was, I'm, you know me, I'm skeptical. I'm cynical. People on the board were joking when I was acting encouraged, like, whoa, what's gotten into you? <laughs> I'm not easily, you know, hyped up or encouraged, and it takes a minute for me. I, I really liked what I saw. I saw some glimpses of some really, really good stuff of what the offense could be. Well, I got my wish on, on what, you know, we talked about what we wanted to see on the modcast with Jeffrey, you know, this week. And obviously, we all knew, I mean, you know, with about 99% confidence Auburn was going to win this game. Yeah. But, you know, it was how did they do it? And I, I think my answer was something along the lines of a cleaner operation from the offense, and I think we got that 100%. Um, a couple of turnovers, a couple of interceptions, I, I'm, I'm very much aware of that. A couple of late reads by Peyton Thorne, I thought, aware of that as well. And I notated those during the game and when it was happening. I wanted to make, you know, make it clear, hey, he's not perfect, but what he's doing right now, is operating the offense at a really efficient level. <clears throat> and I thought that was the most important thing for this game and moving forward. So he handled that really well. Um, I was I was pleased with that, and I was pleased with the play calling. I know you were too. Yeah. We talked about that. 
play calling was excellent, in my opinion. I know there was a one time, and, <clears throat> you know, I want to be clear on this, too. Down on the goal line, they decided to, to pass the ball twice on a third and, you know, goal, one to go, whatever it was. Um, you know, excuse me, it was first and goal, second and goal. Then they got to a third down, got a false start, ended up getting out of, you know, scoring position there. So they threw the ball twice. And if this was a Georgia game or a Texas A&M game, I hate that. But the re- the reason for it, I think, was to see what Thorne could do right there. Could he make a quick read in a tight space? You know, they had to get a look at that. So I'm okay with what they did right there. They had the game in hand. Uh, they knew they were going to be okay. So I'm okay with that. Again, if this is a Georgia or Texas A&M game, run the ball, get in the end zone, stop messing around. But I'm okay with what they did on that. Yeah, and they ended up doing that twice. <clears throat> so they did it um, early in the game, which, which of course, was the very first drive when Auburn came out, looked really, really good, really efficient, got down there. They threw incomplete – I remember these. They threw an incomplete out route to Jay Fair. It was a one-on-one um, out route to Jay Fair incomplete. Next one was a fade to Shane Hooks incomplete, and then the next one was the, the interception. Later on in the late late in the second quarter, they got down there and did it again. They were at the Sanford four-yard line, and again, threw the ball on second and four from the four, threw the ball on third and four from the four, incomplete to Fair, incomplete to Jair Shorter. Freeze said after the game he thought the one to Shorter should have been caught. I vaguely remember that play, but he he kind of he thought that Shorter should have made a play on that. So you're talking about if you include the pick, five of Peyton Thorne's eight incompletions in that game came inside the six yard line five incompletions inside the six five of his eight came inside the six yard line on two different occasions where it was clear they wanted to work on something Shane Jay Fair one-on-one can he make a play over there Shane Hooks can he make a play that kind of thing and so I'm kind of with you I think that was a that was I think that was indicative of the opponent Let's work. Let's do it, run a couple of plays. Then third and one, we'll run it in. Well, then third and one, um, I, I can't remember who it was. Somebody jumped, and then that that screwed up that drive, and they threw it. They were just going to run it in from third and one. Probably run it in from fourth and one if they needed to to score. Um, but yeah, it was pretty clear that they had some stuff that they wanted to target um, as far as Peyton Thorn and those those goal line situations. Well, that stat you just read um, with his incompletions. I think that lines up perfectly with with the assessment I was trying to make yesterday about um, him being too late on his reads, and that was the point of giving him these throws in, in these, you know, in these goal line situations. Why? Because your clock has to be rushed in those situations. It's a tighter space. Routes are shorter than they would be if you were in the middle of the field, and he struggled with that. So that is where they were trying to find his strengths and weaknesses in this game, I think. And I think his his one of his main weaknesses is making the read on time. I don't necessarily think he's making wrong reads at time. I just I, I think it's a little slow. And maybe that's because, you know, he's trying to work through each progression. Maybe that's because he's maybe not comfortable at what he's looking at every time he, he, he you know he's in a drop pack drop back pass situation. Uh, I don't exactly know what it is yet. I'm going to continue to look at that film and see why he was maybe doing that. But, um, you know, a couple of misses there, that, that's going to hurt you in a big game. But I think 
if you look at this almost like it's a scrimmage, and, and, and I'm not trying to demean Sanford in any way because, you know, they obviously are a very good team in the FCS. I think Zach said they were ranked 15th or something before that this game, and they probably will hold that ranking. Um, and have a good quarterback, by the way. But I, I just, I, if you're looking at it like a scrimmage, I think a lot of things were cleaned up and, and, and polished up, and now you, you feel a lot better, you know, than you did a week ago moving into SEC play. I would, anyway. Yeah, Peyton Thorne threw 14 passes last week against Cal in the loss. He threw 14 in the first quarter against Sanford. He threw 25 in the first half against Sanford. Um, so I think it sort of played out exactly the way we hoped it would, and I think a lot of fans, let's see Peyton, let's see them aired out, let's see the RPO, like you need to run a lot of this stuff, and, and, and um, for the most part they looked good. Like we said, they had a turnover, then they got down there and got stuffed on a fourth and one, um, and so they just they, they should have had a lot more points than they did. Um, Peyton Thorne, obviously those two interceptions he threw, but he also accounted for three touchdowns. 405 total yards. He's the first quarterback in nearly a decade, Nick Marshall, in 2014, to throw for 200 and rush for rush for 100. And apparently Auburn's stats couldn't find a quarterback that had thrown for 300 and rushed for 100. And he was only 18 yards away. They joked with Hugh Freeze afterwards and said, and Hugh Freeze was like, well, dang it, I didn't know that. Y'all didn't tell me. <laughs> I, I might have I left him in and thrown for 18 yards. Um, and uh, so, I mean – I, I thought Peyton Thorne looked really, really, really good. And I made a note, by the way. I wrote. I started thinking about those two picks, and they were bad decisions. I, even the first one. I know some people argued, and, and Freeze even said after the game. I mean, during the game, Freeze wasn't pleased. After the game, he's like, I'm not sure. It looked like he kind of forced it, but maybe it could have been caught. That's to me. That's a that's a that's a that's not a good decision. It's third down. You've got a sure thing field goal. You've got a DB standing right next to Shane Hooks. Could Shane Hooks maybe have still caught that? Maybe. But that is a dangerous throw across your body a little bit, which that ball was. That's just a dangerous throw. But I made the point about thinking about those um, those two interceptions. And that was, while they were bad decisions, there's a silver lining to me in the fact that Peyton Thorne made those throws, and that is – we talked about last week the quarterback shuffling, and, and you need to stop that because, one, rhythm on offense, but, two, Peyton Thorne needs to be comfortable and confident that he's the man and that if he makes a mistake, you're not going to think, could we do something different with Robbie or whatever. So uh, the silver lining to me about those two throws was Peyton Thorne feeling comfortable enough to make them, to force it. Like, you don't want to force it, but at the same time, he clearly felt like he could take a chance. And he didn't have to maybe worry about, well, does that mean the next possession Robbie's going to get a try? Or does that mean that if I force it, like he wasn't conservative is what I'm saying. And I think that's one of the things that we thought with Peyton, like we talked about, like just relax and play. And so while they were bad decisions, it also to me showed a sign of a guy that was comfortable enough to take those risks, even though he shouldn't have, right? Like the second one specifically, Jair Shorter was wide open. And he just got locked in. He just got locked in. I and mean, he just got locked into the, to that deep ball. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's kind of my silver lining flip side of making those throws is that maybe he felt the game was going in a way where he felt like comfortable enough to, to take a risk and he shouldn't have. But um, I'd rather him be comfortable enough to take it than to not take them and to feel like 
you know, is he still being judged? Is he still in a quarterback competition? Is Robbie going to get in the next series? You know what I mean? Yeah, and it was apparent. And, and, you know, we talked about this. We could see from the press box that it never looked like Robbie was as urgent about going in or maybe he was, like, ready. He had his helmet on. He didn't look that way. He had his helmet off, and he was with the quarterbacks and the signalers. And, you know, if they called his number, he would have been in there. Yeah. But it didn't look like he was, you know, you know, waiting to go like he has been before. So I think because of that, there was probably, um, a, you know, a comfortability or a, a whatever from Peyton Thorne where he's like, you know, I'm not having to fight against him today. And it's not really, it's not really, a, a, you know, something bad between the two of them or anything like that. It's just a natural competition in both of their minds. Hey, you know, if if I make a bad play here, I am getting pulled. And that's one reason why a lot of us don't like the two-quarterback system, and, and, and I totally agree. I don't like it. So Peyton Thorne didn't have that worry of Robbie Ashford coming in, and it was very apparent that he wasn't going to come in for any of his packages or anything like that. And as a result, he plays a little bit better, more loose. And uh, I think that, that made all the difference, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm no I mean I'd have to I, I don't know off the top of my head all the different two quarterback systems, you know, over the years that people try, but I feel like a two quarterback system, if it's successful, it's probably successful because you already have a good offensive line and you probably have good playmakers around them. And and so you could you could insert two quarterbacks. Like I don't you know what I mean, I don't know of a system where you have a really average line, they're not that great, and receivers are okay, but because you're shuffling, that somehow makes it better. I, you think back yeah. to Florida and Tebow and Leak. Well, there's a bunch of talent around them. So you could rotate them in, and you have the talent around them to to maintain the rhythm, maintain the consistency, even if you brought a different quarterback in. Um, and I'm just not sure Auburn's there yet in terms of the talent around them to then shuffle quarterbacks um, and, and, be, uh, and be productive. So, yeah. Really good day for Peyton Thorne. 75% completion percentage, uh, completed five of seven, 15-plus yards down the field, 282 passing, 123 rushing. Leading rusher for Auburn through three games is Peyton Thorne um, <laughs> with 140 yards. Nobody saw that coming. No. Right? Well, Jarquez Hunter might miss a game. Demory Austin's probably a guy that's off to a much slower start than we thought. Um, through three games, he's only got 119 yards rushing. I think we thought – Damari was was due for a breakout season, and he still might, you know, he'll have plenty of chances to shine in SEC play. He's averaging almost five yards a carry, um, but I, I think uh, that's probably the one drawback of the game yesterday. The passing game was a lot better. Ten different players caught a pass. Jay Fair continues to look great. Valdo Fairweather looks great. Shane Hooks, man, if that guy can just create some consistency, he is so freaking gifted. Um, yeah, he is. Insane. I wish people could. I wish people could be on the on the field. It's one thing if you get there early and you watch warmups, but I wish people could be on the field and watch Shane Hooks. Watch him jump. Watch him high point a football. Um, man, he's got all the talent. He's just got to create some consistency. And so you start. You saw at least flashes of weapons. Jay Fair, Fairweather, Cook, uh, Hooks, um, Amari Kelly with some nice speed on a deep ball. Um, you know, Jair Shorter still probably needs to be targeted a little bit more, right? He had the one catch on the very first drive, and then he had the other target in the end zone, and that's it. That that guy's too big and fast 
to only get two targets, in my opinion. Maybe that'll change in SEC play. But you start to see some potential with the weapons and, and options. If, if you can get all those guys lined up and doing the right thing on any given day where their understanding and the, the, the route running becomes a little bit better, spacing and landmarks, although they understand those things a little bit better, um, this group's got a lot of potential. You just got to get there in a hurry. But you see, you saw flashes of a lot of different guys that could make a play on any given Saturday. Yeah, and and you pointed out that so many different guys had already made a catch in the first half, you know, and multiple catches, like three, three, three catches for a bunch of guys. And, and, and I after the first game, I think it was, I think it was after the UMass game, one of my takeaways was, you know, the offense has playmakers. I really believed that from that point, and we didn't really see any Rivaldo Fairweather that day. I don't think he had a catch or target. Nope. Um, so that has not – and I've said this several times. That has been my concern with Auburn's offenses many times in the past. It's not my concern with this offense. I do think there are legitimate playmakers and guys that you can go to even when things are not working. And I like how they incorporate – the backs in the passing game a little bit. Obviously, they're trying to get Jeremiah Cobb the ball any way they can. I think that is a very good idea because he's a home run hitter. Uh, they try to get Brian Batty involved a little bit more, which I think is good because he's sort of like Cobb in that regard. Could break one at any moment. Um, you know, the running game is sort of you, you kind of scratch your head about it, but it, it's, I, I want to get a better explanation of why the running game didn't work yesterday, but I think a lot of it has to do with Sanford going and watching that Cal film and going, well, if somebody's going to beat us, let's, let's make, let's make it Peyton Thorne. You know, I think they were going to have success in the run game. Let's make Peyton Thorne beat us in. Well, you know, he did. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that's exactly what. Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery wanted them to do so they could get more out of Thorne and see what they had. Um, somebody made a point to me, too, about this clock rule. In a way, the the first and second games are so much shorter and there's so many less reps than there would have been in the first two games last year. You know, that's less reps for a guy that's trying to get some, some game time and some experience in this offense. So... That being able to get all those snaps in yesterday was just such a big thing moving forward, and I, I think it's going to help Auburn a lot when they play A and M. Yeah, Auburn's run game. If you if you take away Peyton Thorne, if you just look at the running backs, it was like twenty eight or thirty carries for eighty six yards, um, which is which is not great. And in, in the, in the stat that stood out to me, GameOnPaper dot com um, against a team like Sanford. 38% of Auburn's runs went for less than two yards, two yards or less. That is unacceptable. <clears throat> Against a team like Stanford, 38% of your runs going for two or less yards can't happen. Um, that, to me, shows a, a lack of a lack of some push. I mean, yeah, Stanford was creeping the safeties up, but there wasn't a lot even going on before that. It's not like they're, you know, I mean, they were just, they're just, just, it wasn't a great game. You factor in a couple of uh, holds from Dylan Wade, a false start, I think, from Gunnar Britton. I think Gunnar Britton had two penalties. I think Dylan Wade had two penalties. And then, of course, you, you know, add insult to injury. Cam Stewart gets hurt. Um, Xavier Miller gets hurt. Don't know the extent of that. So it just wasn't a great day for the uh, for the running game. Peyton Thorne was phenomenal in his decisions to pull the ball and run. Some design quarterback draws. Um, 
he was he was outstanding running the football. I mean, dang near every time he took off, he was getting 10 yards. Um, so he was great. But, again, just kind of second straight game where, you know, the Cal game, Freeze pointed to turnovers. Turnovers killed the rhythm. Turnovers took away plays and potential of points. And he thought there was a lot of um, – you know, he thought the running game was okay if they'd have had more more opportunities. But Sanford, Sanford there wasn't. I mean, there's a couple of turnovers, yes, still – um, but Auburn, but the difference is Auburn still ran 80 plays. So last week they ran 55, and you're thinking, okay, that, that's a little. They still ran 80 plays, so they had plenty of plays and plenty of opportunities. Um, Hunter Austin Batty, nobody had to carry more than nine yards. Nobody broke really anything um, long. Robbie and Peyton Thorne had the two longest runs of the day. So not that's probably my one drawback of the offense was I, I liked. I thought there was a lot more rhythm. Peyton Thorne looked good. A lot of good things. But I thought the running game took a step back, and that's not the way you want to go into SEC play. You can say what you want about Texas A&M. Their rush defense is, is pretty good. A lot of Miami's success when, when they beat them was through the air. Um, A&M up front is going to be good. And, of course, you know Georgia is, and, of course, you know LSU is, and that's your first three conference games. So um, got to figure some things out rushing the football, heading into College Station, um, it can't be on Peyton Thorne. I'm glad those good things happened. I'm glad we saw glimpses of life from the passing game and stuff like that, but I don't like to see the running game take a step backwards like it did against Sanford, which I, I thought it did. Yeah, and credit to the play callers. Um, I give a lot of credit to them for Peyton Thorne's, you know, 100-yard rushing game because they realized they weren't going to get any traction in the box. Now, that's – that's a little bit scary, obviously, because it's Sanford. But you know, I'm not I'm not hitting the panic button on that yet, because they found a way to get some yards on the ground, and, and it was just outside of the box, getting getting the defense to flow towards something, and then having the quarterback pull. You saw when Robbie came in, they did the same thing, and it worked out really well too. So, <clears throat> you know, that's 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 okay. I think they found a way around it, and now you have another look on film where, hey, we can't really load the box against Auburn because. They have another run threat besides Robbie Ashford at quarterback. Yeah, and I don't care if you're doing it on air. He, Peyton Thorne made really good plays with his legs. I mean, he made people miss. He actually had some moves, you know, which is kind of surprising. But you know, I, I did a deep dive on his on his film from Michigan State, and he was pretty he's pretty nifty when he was there too. People don't talk about it, but if you went and watched some of those games, he definitely had some some plays like that that looked just like they did against Sanford Saturday. So. You know, he's capable, he's fully capable, and now it's on film. And, and I think probably, you know, the best thing you can think of when going into a game like this and, and really not knowing fully what you have on offense or on your team, for that matter, is having so many different things to prepare for on film. And I think there are. I think Texas A&M is a little perplexed <clears throat> trying to figure out what to do against Auburn right now. Yeah, they could be. Um, they 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 very well could be, um, and so yeah, I think the Peyton Thorn runs. He's pretty athletic. I mean, looks. I mean, I, I uh, it would have been fascinating to see Bo Nix in this in this offense. Obviously, he's doing a lot of that at Oregon. You see the and you see the results. Um, it's what you thought Bo Nix could have been in 2019, but he was a freshman <laughs> and Gus yeah. Gus Gus didn't quite run what you're seeing now. There's elements, but didn't quite not quite the same thing. Um. But yeah, credit Peyton Thorne, man, for making a lot of good, a lot of good decisions and a lot of good reads um, in, in that RPO game, whether it was to run, um, 
or, you know, or pass the football. Um, I was trying to remember what Freeze said after the game. He mentioned something I was about to bring up, but, uh, but yeah, I think offensively, what do you make of um, what do you make of the turnovers? Obviously, we talked about it a second ago, and while while those were bad decisions by I think bad decisions by Thorne, I, I, the silver lining was that he felt comfortable enough to make them. But you know, there's a difference in there's a good thing about being com- feeling comfortable enough to make them and actually making them. So seeing him make them showed me a little bit of a comfort level that I like that I'm glad he has. But now that you have that comfort level, you don't you don't have to make it, right? <laughs> like those are two different things. So you look at it now and it's seven turnovers if you count the fumble punt. If you want to take that away, six offensive turnovers in two games after none against UMass. We talked about not making a big deal about it after Cal. Let's wait and see if it's a trend. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Two more turnovers. Obviously, this time it's picks. The other against Cal, it was three fumbles um, and a pick by, by Peyton Thorne. But that's still three picks from Peyton Thorne in two games. Um, what's your concern level with the turnovers heading into SEC play? Are you still on the – it's all – every situation's different. It's just two games. Or are you like, okay, uh, I'm seeing something. Like, guys are just – is there a carelessness that's going on that we should be concerned about? Because – you can't overcome. This team doesn't have the depth or talent to overcome. Fortunately, the defense is doing their part, and, and the defense has got seven takeaways. So they've matched the, the amount of uh, turnovers that the offense and everybody – they've got seven takeaways of their own, which has been phenomenal. They're, keep, they're, they're sort of balancing things out. But um, you can't bank on every time you go make two or three turnovers, your defense gets two or three back for you. Well, I'm a believer in context and the – Two interceptions were both very bad, in my opinion. They would have been minuses if I'm grading the game uh, for Thorne. The first one, here's here's what I again you're looking you're looking for his strengths and weaknesses, and I talked about his weakness, but his strength is accuracy. He's very accurate, so he's got some confidence behind his throws because he knows he can place it kind of where he wants to. And that's what happened on that first interception uh, where he hit Shane Hooks in the end zone. It kind of bounced out of his hands and, you know, ended up in somebody from Sanford's hands. The ball was actually placed well, even though it was a dangerous throw. Shouldn't have made the throw. Ball was still placed well. He put it – if he was going to make that throw, he put it where it had to be. Um, Now, again, this is a minus for him if I'm grading it. That's not a good throw. I go back to his deep ball interception. That one was even worse, in my opinion. Um, you know, he should have never thrown that ball. And he had somebody coming open on a drag. 
that's that's not acceptable. You can't make those plays in a game against Texas A&M. You really can't make those mistakes, or, or you're going to have trouble in the game. But I think the bright thing in this game is that no no fumbles by running backs, and they got plenty of carries where there were opportunities for those again. Um, and really, looking back on Cal, I mean, there were some good things happening, and then a fumble would happen. And we talked about that enough, but, you know, when I was talking about a cleaner operation, that's part of it. Fumbles will ruin it. Interceptions ruin it, yes. But, you know, in that situation, I think Thorne, it probably at least crossed his mind on the deep ball, hey, you know, if they do intercept this, it's almost like a punt. And it's sort of a desperation throw here. So if I'm looking at the context there, at least, you know, at least there's some thought put into that throw, I think. The other one's in the end zone. It's not like you're backed up in your own end zone. You just throw it up for grabs. I think there's yeah. some thought put into those plays, and I think that's the context there. Again, if I'm grading it, both minuses, both bad decisions. But at least I think he's just was in better control Saturday, and I think he's going to be in better control, especially if he's not having to deal with the possibility of Robbie running in at any time against a Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think the first one, and I also think the first one, I think after that false start, there could have been a little frustration too. I mean, they're down there and they should score oh, yeah. and you get a false start. And, and you're, if you're Peyton Thorne, you're thinking like, this is ridiculous that we're going to march down here and not get a touchdown. And um, Yeah, he forced it. He, he 100% he forced it for that reason. Yeah. The second one he locked on to the wrong guy. He locked on to the wrong guy and never even saw Jair Shorter, um, who, who, who if he throws it to Jair Shorter, it's a 30-yard it's a 30-yard play. There's nobody out there, um, maybe more. I guess we'll see what happens against a and I mean, you could you could take them one by one. Peyton Thorne's fumbling against Cal was kind of fluky. He's going out of bounds. It's a weird play. Hunter Hunter's fumbling against Cal was was dang near on the ground. It was really close. Um, so yeah, I mean, you could kind of take them take them um, with a grain of salt a little bit. Let's see SEC play. I think the more maybe the the flip side of this can the defense keep turning can keep creating turnovers because um, if they can't then then that changes things too they've done a great job with with picks five interceptions five of the seven turnovers they've got are picks and so that's going to slow down too you're not going to go get two three turnovers a game in the SEC so the offense is just maybe get some of those bugs out some of those kinks out going to SEC play and know okay I. I you got to take care of the football. There's a time to take a shot, and there's a time to not. It's the hardest thing as a quarterback. When when do you, when do you think it's okay to take that shot, that risk, and when is it not? Yeah. Um, when you when you know you've got three points in the bag, that's not when you take it. You you straight up took points off the board um, on 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 that first one. Um, and so you just that's just part of the. But I wrote about that too. It's part of the process and part of why quarterback shuffling again isn't good in this situation. It's not good for Peyton Thorne. The only way to fix um, decision-making is reps and experience. Do it wrong. Don't do it wrong the next time. That's the only way. I mean, it's only to work through that. Very few guys are just going to go out there and be great decision-makers from, from day one, play one. And there's always yeah. – you're going to go through the tough times, and so you go through some of this stuff with Peyton, but you got to allow him to make decisions, good and bad, and then learn from them. And when you limit his snaps – you 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 slow and stunt that growth tremendously. I, I think the point I was trying to make a minute ago is, yes, he made some dangerous throws, but it didn't. It never felt reckless to me. There's, 
I, I, to me, sometimes Robbie Ashford, he feels, he feels yeah. reckless. He feels out of control. The throw yeah. he made in the cow game across his body that should have been a pick and might maybe, you know, you know, change the entire game, that was reckless. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm trying to say there was at least it seemed like there was some thought or some recognition of the situation by Thorne and going, you know, it's like a punt if I throw a pick here or yeah. I'm throwing it into the end zone. What, you know. It's not like a they're going to have a six points off of this immediately. Now it could be that way, and and that's why I would give it a minus if I'm grading it. But you know, I just don't feel like he's being reckless with the ball. I feel like yeah. he's got some some um, you know collectiveness about him. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's true. Um, I think that's I think that's true. So yeah, offensively a lot better from Auburn. Defensively, they did what they're supposed to do. Look, every game. Um, oh hey. Before I forget, because I always freaking forget, can we talk about Game Time real quick? GameTime.co. I just blow past right past this guys. I'm so sorry. GameTime.co. Go check them out. Tickets to games, concerts, uh, comedy shows, all that stuff. GameTime.co. Use the pr- promo code WAREAGLE, and you get, I think, 20% off your first purchase. So go check out GameTime.co. And then if you find tickets that are cheaper somewhere else, they'll, like, refund you 110% of the difference. So it's a pretty good deal. GameTime.co a good sponsor of the show, a good sponsor of On3Sports. Go check them out, gametime.co. Um, all right, the defense continues to do what they're supposed to do. Look, every game they've given up less yards. They give up 300 to UMass, 270 to, to, to 273 to Cal, 218 to Sanford. So they've gone down in every department. They've got seven turnovers on the season. Um, they're fifth in the country in, in, in third-down defense. They've given up 10 third-downs and 41 opportunities. Um, they're first in the country in red zone. They've given up three scores and seven tries. Now, those are three touchdowns, but, um, yeah, three and seven. So, so far, red zone doing really well. Third down's doing really well. Turnover's doing really well. If that continues, you're going to be a fantastic defense. If you're taking care of business on third down in the red zone and forcing turnovers, you're going to win a lot of games. Now, UMass, Cal, and Sanford, not exactly – um, the type of offenses you're going to face in the SEC, we we know that it's about to it's about to get cranked up. I mean, every team you're every team you're going to play, every team on Auburn's schedule in the SEC this year is good offensively. Even Vanderbilt. I mean, go, look at Vanderbilt's. You know, they they pushed Wake Forest, lost. They they lost again to, to UNLV, but they put up 37 points. I mean, even Vanderbilt is is got is got some dangerous um, offensive capability. So it's about to change a lot. And the other big thing about this defense is man injuries. I mean, Nehemiah Pritchett still hasn't come back. Donovan Kaufman didn't play. Keontae Scott left early. Jalen McLeod's still not a percent. He left early. Um, Larry Nixon's got a club on his right hand. Obviously, Austin Keys is out, so your linebackers uh, already are thin there anyway. Um, and so you just you got you got JD Rim back. Great to have him back. He gets a pick in his first game. Kay Lee's got great snaps, and so now you go into SEC play. Where, yeah, he's a true freshman, but he's gotten a lot of snaps in three games. That's good, but um, a lot of injuries there that, that worry you a little bit where you need some of these guys healthy. How do you how do you think the defense is played? How do you sort of see it going into this um, transitioning from Sanford into the A&M game? I, I think they've been consistent. We talked about them. It looks like they're well coached. It looks like the defense, they, for the most part, they seem like they're in the right positions. We just know the talent and the scheme and stuff is all about to get a lot tougher. Yeah, and – Defense was my biggest concern because I felt like 
they did shore up the talent a little bit, but I, I still, you know, wh- where did they close the gap? I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure about the front seven and how good they are against the run. I still have questions on that, but I, I, yeah. I know this much and I figured this much out. Ron Roberts and that defensive staff is getting the most out of them. Okay. I, I really believe that. I really think that he is getting the most out of that, that defense as a whole by his play calling. I think it fits, um, you know, the style of the game now and how it's moving a little bit faster. I think it's perfect for that. You, you can't play this. I, I really don't, I really believe the bend don't break style of defense, which a lot of people use, by the way. And, and that's sort of a, expression that even the people that use it wouldn't use but more of a sit back you know we'll let them hit the underneath stuff um so they don't take the top off of our defense and keep this keep the score low kind of that philosophy i think is going to die out in college football because of this clock change i really think it's that big of a deal and i've asked a lot of people who are in the know and who have had to deal with it that agree with me so Ron Roberts' aggressive style, it couldn't have come at a better time for Auburn. I think it was a perfect hire for what, what's going on with Auburn right now, for the personnel they have. They're really getting the most out of the defense, and I think the defense is becoming somewhat of a strength of the team, at least maybe in the secondary. Um, and I like the pass rush. I think the pass rush is not bad, and, and of course that's because they blitz a lot. But, hey, if you can get to the quarterback, you can get to the quarterback. It doesn't matter how good, you know, you know, being able to rush with four is. So I'm, I've been pleased with that. Again, the run defense I'm a little bit concerned about, especially going into SEC play. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. They're, they're going to get tested this week, and, and we'll have a lot better idea instead of having these questions, I think. Yeah, I think for me it's still that defensive front is, is, is still an unknown. They, they, they've done their job. Um, but I think, you know, more times than not, when, when Auburn creates pressure, it's been blitzing. It's been blitzing linebacker, blitzing nickel. It has not been a lot of just the front three or four guys doing it. They're just – I think against Sanford, they had a couple of sacks and then a couple of quarterback hurries, and two quarterback hurries were both by one guy. Just not a lot of pressure. I mean, Michael Michael Hires is a good player, but he had a lot of time to throw. He had a lot of time to throw. Yep. Um. And 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 that that that's concerning a little bit against a team like Sanford. So I, that's probably still my concern with the defense is just that front, that defensive line. Um. Once we'll we'll see it. We'll see how they stop the run against better offensive lines and better rushing attacks. But also just the pressure on the quarterback. Um. And does Roberts feel like every time they need pressure, they're going to have to bring a blitzing Keontae Scott or Kaufman or Caleb Wooden, who played. Uh, a ton of nickel led the team in tackles with six. Um, or blitz EJ and Asante. Do they feel like they're going to have to blitz to create pressure? If they don't, can those guys do it? There's just not a lot of consistency when it comes to to doing that. Keldrick Falk shows flashes when, he, when he's in there, but um, he's still kind of playing limited snaps. I mean, he, him and him and Nasili Kite are, I guess, kind of splitting up snaps. I didn't go look at the snap count from the day, but he's effective when he's in there. But um, – but still, just a couple sacks, a couple quarterback hurries, and, and both of those were Nasili um, Kite. He had both quarterback hurries. Nobody else had one at all um, for the whole game. And, and Sanford, I mean, Harris threw the ball 31. They threw the ball 33 times. And um, he, had, he, had, he had time to throw the ball at times. And so that's probably my biggest concern still heading into this A&M game is the defensive line and pressure they can create. Yeah. 
and like I said, you know, they had to create it with blitzes, which that's where the concern comes against an offensive line like Sanford. Um, but again, I think those blitzes are really good. So I do think they're going to have success with those blitzes against good offensive lines too. And not to take anything away from Sanford's offensive line. They may be really good. I really think that offensive line is the hardest position to, you know, to say if they're good or not, <laughs> to evaluate as yeah. a reporter or as a media person. I think it's difficult. I think a lot of times people gauge it by experience. Oh, this, you know, they got three seniors. That, they're really good. Well, you don't know. I mean, they just because they've been there for a long time doesn't mean they're really good. It just means they've been there a long time. So, um, obviously, Sanford's offensive line did pretty well in pass, pass protection, but they started getting more pressure at the end of the game when Ron Roberts was like, all right, well, I'm going to throw a few things at you here. Let's see how you handle this. And, again, the blitzes are causing issues. And I don't see that stopping. I really believe that that's true. I, I think that's a legit look at what those blitzes look like. I think they get home really well. I think bringing the quick guys, you know, like Caleb Wooden, who was having to play pretty much every snap for this defense uh, against Sanford because Kaufman and Scott weren't playing. They're sending guys like that that can get there faster, and I think that's really effective, something that Auburn hadn't done in a while, and they do it consistently, this defense. So I, I just love the play calling style. I love the play calling. I think that that is the strength of Auburn's football team right now. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt those are going to continue and hopefully continue to get home uh, and create some good opportunities for that defense because they've played they've played really, really, really well. Um, all right, so Auburn's 3-0, and uh, which is where obviously where they needed to be. Um, do you think this team is where you thought they'd be three weeks in? Um, heading into SEC play, Um are there more or less question marks than maybe you that make you feel comfortable? Are there are there are you are you going into SEC play feeling feeling like there's a fair amount of question marks, but there's a lot of good things I've seen? Or are you going and going? I, I just I'm still not sure exactly how much I've learned. Um, it's tough, and I was looking through the SEC schedule. A lot of teams have been tested. Um, Auburn's kind of one of the few that I don't. I mean, you can say. I mean, I get it. Cal's a Power Five team. You know, I, we'll, and we'll see how good they are, but um, but uh, I don't you know. A lot of teams have been tested. Auburn's about to enter that test, and we'll see what they got against A and M. I I like the confidence. I think I think the offense and defense have both had good games, good 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 possessions, uh, good um, good series, good things that have happened to them that they can take into SEC play. I think both sides of the ball have things to build on. It's just it's just they're going to go to College Station. It's just going to be a different thing. The same way going to Cal is a different thing. On the road, SEC play, it's just going to be different. And you're going to have to go try to fight through that first game and, and probably sort of figure some things out there. But, I mean, I think overall they're in a pretty good spot. I think they're, pretty, I think they're in a pretty good spot. I mean, Peyton Thorne, what he did Saturday, um, you know, again, we'll, we'll wait and see how it plays out. But that was such a big deal to see him step up and play the way he did and show flashes of what he can do on the ground and through the air. Just a massive what he did. I don't think we expected it. I mean, I think we thought, here's some things we want to see, but I don't think anybody thought Peyton Thorne was going to go out there and account for 400-something yards and rush for 100 and um, and look really sharp for the most part, look really sharp doing it. 
So, man, I'd love to see that again uh, in College Station. But that's probably the biggest takeaway coming out of the game is it, what seemed to be a confident Peyton Thorpe. Yeah, you may remember um, while we were up in the box um, that we were watching Keldrick Falk, and I said, you know, I just don't think he even knows how good he is yet. Yeah. I'm not sure he even understands how dominant he could actually be. Now, yeah. he's playing well. Don't get me wrong. He's, But he's still figuring some things out. My point in saying that is I, I think that is what Auburn's offense is right now. I think I'm comparing the two, whereas yeah. I see so much potential from Keldrick Falk, and he's getting there, but right now he's still learning what he's doing. I think the offense is is the exact same way. I think there's a lot of potential for this offense. I think there's a lot of playmakers on this offense. I think there's a lot of potential in Peyton Thorne. I've really been pleased with the pass protection in all three games, minus a couple lapses here and there. I think things have been really clean. Um, So all of those are good things. I look at the defense and I go, I really think you're maximizing your potential. Yeah. I don't think the ceiling's much higher for you as a defense. I think this is what you are. How long can you hang on and give this offense a chance to get it together is my question. Uh, so that's my biggest question going into Texas A&M. Uh, a couple of things that I've had answers ha- have been positive, in my opinion. Not too many things that have been answered have been super negative. I, I-, I think there's a lot of positives, you know. As they continue to clean things up and progress, I think the offense has room to get better, and I think the defense is playing out of its mind for what it is. So once those two things come together and you get a sort of a finished product of what this team's going to be this season, I think there's a chance, you know, I'm still going to hover around that 7-5 to five range right now. I think that's possible. I think a bowl game is possible right now. I'm going to hang on to that. That's what I said before the season started. I'm, I haven't seen anything to change my prediction on that yet. Oh, no, they're going bowling. They're, they're going bowling. I mean, Mississippi State is um, Mississippi State is, is is clearly still got issues. A and M's just going to be a big one. Look, Arkansas lost to BYU. Um, Arkansas is really dangerous, but they gave up forty at home to BYU. I mean, those are just there's just a bunch of those games that you got to do. about I feel good about Auburn um, making a, a a bowl a bowl. Yeah, I was looking at Pro Football Focus grades. They Keldrick Falk. The eighth, eighth graded, eighth highest graded defender. Really good game from Marcus Harris again. Um, really good game from Kay and Lee, Jalen Simpson. Larry Nixon struggled a little bit. We talked about that. A couple of couple of passes to the running backs out there that he he got he got sort of caught in the wash of some crossing routes and in either bumped into the crossing route or just his eyes got got put on the receiver crossing and and he didn't even see the receiver leak out. Um, which is just a you know, good scheme. And he got his eyes, I think, got in the wrong place a little bit, and he allowed four four catches. And, and uh, so he's got to clean some things up. But, man, a bunch of guys played on defense. I'm looking at 35 players that got snaps on defense in that game. Um, some, obviously, a couple. But, I mean, you can want one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So you're talking about 20 – 27 guys got double-digit snaps. Um, 25, 27 guys got double-digit snaps. So um, that that's probably something that might be uh, you know overlooked a little bit because of these non-conference games. Well, specifically UMass and Sanford. 
a lot of guys have played on defense heading into SEC play. Some freshmen, a lot of these guys that may not play as much in the SEC, but if you need them, they've at least got a few snaps under their belt um, heading into SEC play. So I think the biggest question mark is just injuries. I think, unfortunately, it's one of the things that I put on my storylines to watch heading into the Sanford game was injuries, and it didn't go well on on Saturday. You know, Pritchett didn't play. Kaufman didn't play. And then on top of that, Keontae gets hurt. Stutz gets banged up. Xavier Miller gets banged up. So, so you come in in a worse shape than you were going in with SEC play. And so, but you can't, you can't afford to rest them. I mean, look, you got to, you got to get through two weeks and then you have the bye week and figure things out, but you're coming off a brutal road, brutal travel schedule around Cal. And then you go this game, you got some guys banged up. I'm sure Freeze would love to take it easy on them, give them a day, try to get some of these guys healthy. But Jalen McLeod's pushing through stuff. I, I don't know. Maybe that's an injury where he just needs to keep playing. I wish he could sit. I wish he could sit a little bit and get healthy. Um, it looks like he's trying to push through it, and because of that, I don't know if he's going to get back to 100%. I would love to see Jalen McLeod at 100%, but uh, a little concerned about the injuries going into SEC play because there's just no time to get healthy. Um, you got to get through the next two weeks. You try to beat A&M. Obviously, worst case is you lose two, and then you get the bye week to rest up. But it's probably the biggest negative right now is just the injuries and where this team stands. But nothing you can do about it. Um, you just got to you got to try to get through it. And we don't know the extent too. Like Xavier Miller's looked bad. We don't know. It could just be a lot of pain and soreness, and, and he's okay. And Stutz is okay. And Kaufman's probably one of those deals where they just kept him out after a concussion. No, no reason to rush him back. He's probably going to play. Pritchett warmed up the last two games, but just didn't go. It's kind of weird. But full pads went through warmups the last two games and then left after warmups. Went in the locker room and took his pads off. Hmm. So you know, I guess it's, I guess it's, I'm sure it's intentional. Hey, go do warmups full speed. See how you feel. Maybe that's part of the rehab process, even. Um, but, gosh, he's got to be really close to coming back, uh, which just gives you a little more depth, being able to bring Kay and Lee off the bench and things like that. So, uh, a little banged up, but, but you know, you can't do anything well, about it. Well, there's something to be said about winning a football game, and, and Hugh Freeze has said that a few times because you look around college football, Alabama struggled with South Florida, Georgia struggled with South Carolina. I, I could go on forever, dude. Yeah. There were so many weird games. And, and you know what? I don't think that's weird. I think that's the new normal of college football with the transfer portal, the clock, all of these factors. So if you find a way to come out with a W, I don't care who you're playing, you've done something big. And right now Auburn's 3-0. and I really think that is just, I mean, an un, I mean that's a big deal. I mean, you, you could have seen a way they dropped that cow game and be in a real rough spot right now. And they're not. So, yeah. Huge. huge. Yeah. They came out with the W. All right. Auburn's 3-0. and um, Heads to Texas A&M. We'll talk more about that as the week goes on. Make sure you go to AuburnLive.com and uh, check out all the coverage from Auburn and Sanford, as well as recruiting coverage coming out of that weekend. Some, some uh, big-time visitors were on campus. Go check out what they had to say. Um, as we enter SEC play and get into some things, we'll talk to Hugh Freeze and we'll have press conference and notes and all kinds of coverage throughout the week, getting you ready for Auburn and Texas A&M. Remember, $1 gets you your first month at AuburnLive.com, so go take advantage of that. One buck, and you get the next month. Go sign up now, and you get A&M, Georgia, bye week, LSU.
coverage plus recruiting. You're going to have a huge recruiting weekend for Georgia. So, I mean, like what a great chance to just pay a buck and get a ton of great stuff um, over the next month. So go check that out at auburnlive.com. Um, special shout out to our sponsor, Session Cocktail, downtown Auburn, Magnolia Avenue. Go check them out, please. Um, tell them that Auburn Live sent you and um, great drinks, happy hour specials, and all that good stuff. So please go say hey to them and tell them that uh, you heard about it from Auburn Live and the crew here. All right, we'll get out of here. Everybody have an awesome week. We'll be on with some more football shows and recruiting shows throughout the week as well. So make sure you go to the YouTube channel, subscribe, turn notifications on, all that good stuff. And we'll talk to you again in a few days. See ya. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.